This is the Ned Group Investments Podcast, a space where you can learn more about our fund managers, the funds they manage, as well as getting up-to-date and important developments affecting the investment world and how they might be relevant to you. Our next presenter is Carl Leinberger, Chief Investment Officer at Coronation Asset Managers. Carl's been with Coro uh, and well over 20 years investment experience and of course takes overall responsibility for the investment process and ultimately investment performance at Coronation as a house. Uh, In terms of Ned Group multi-manager, we have holdings in quite a a wide range of Coronation funds, some of the multi-asset funds, and we've actually been a holder of the Coronation Top 20 equity fund for over 15 years or so since it was a very small fund. I've specifically asked Carl to just talk a little bit about Coronation's house view, how they're seeing the world at the moment, and also specifically, I guess, from a multi-asset perspective, their their view on valuations uh, across the various asset classes domestically and globally. So, Carl, I'll hand over to you. Good morning, everyone. I think I'll make the point first up that, that this crisis has, has, for me, felt very much like the financial crisis in that I think it has strongly demonstrated um, the importance of active asset allocation. Um, if I look at Coronation's products, I look at our equity funds, they were, through pure luck, very well positioned for COVID and have performed very well through the year. Uh, if I look at our multi-asset class funds, they did not go um, they were not well positioned to come in into the into the epidemic at all, um, being overweight equity and property. But if I look at performance against benchmarks and against peers, I think performance has very much been on the fairway and we've delivered very close to benchmark performance through this year. And the only reason for that is the value that's being, being delivered from active asset allocation. We aggressively cut exposure to equities early in January and February, and then we materially increased equity exposure in in late March and early April. Uh, We hedged, did a big uh, rand hedge in our balance funds uh, on the currency, 18 rand 20. So I think these actions for me and and the financial crisis was very much like this, a point to um, the the value of active asset allocation. You know, there's often been a lot of criticism at multi-asset class funds that that managers sit at long-term strategic allocations, you know, come what may, and that certainly isn't, isn't the case for ourselves. And we will actively make asset asset allocation calls on your behalf. And and I do strongly want to make the point that we aren't through this crisis. You know, I I think that there are many challenges to come and and we expect to make meaningful changes to our asset allocation in the months and quarters ahead um, as we proceed through what is certainly unprecedented times for all of us. Just to take you through our views on the major asset classes, I'm going to start offshore. If I start with bonds, we have been very negative on sovereign developed market bonds for many years, and that remains much the case today. You know, we think it represents returnless risk. Um, We are very concerned about unprecedented levels of indebtedness. We've seen for sovereigns around the world, we are concerned that there's a risk of inflation in the years ahead as a consequence of, of unprecedented printing of money. And, and a slow reversal of, um, of globalization. The only global bonds that we hold in our multi-asset class funds uh, were credit bonds that we bought in the crisis in, in March, April, that have re-rated quite strongly, most of which we still hold, 
but 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 could well sell if, if the re-rating continues. If we look at, at global equities, just to remind you, we were very negative on global equities in 2019, not because we saw coming what, what has happened, but purely on valuation. We used the COVID crisis to go from underweight to, to a meaningful overweight position. We're currently just under 28% in global equities in our balanced funds. Um, we are reasonably optimistic and sanguine about the economic outlook for most of the world's developed market nations. We think that you're going to you've seen a lot of pent up demand. We've got low oil prices and we've got the benefit that comes from unprecedented stimulus, both monetary and, and fiscal. Of course, developed nations, developed nations are vulnerable to second waves of, of, of um, infection, but we do think we're through the worst of it. We do think that social distancing is the right way to go for most, well, for across the globe, instead of what has been very damaging lockdowns. But yeah, we're not naive. You know, we think that the only real off-ramp out of this COVID nightmare for the world um, is, you know, either going to be a vaccine or herd immunity. We think herd immunity is, is less likely because of lockdowns, because we haven't gone that route. Um, and therefore we think a vaccine is, is the way out. And, and that all the experts are saying is at least a year away, um, if, not, if not longer. We are negative on emerging markets outside of Asia. And that's because we think that they're so poorly positioned for, for the COVID pandemic. Most people in emerging markets live in densely populated living conditions. These are countries that lack the ability to do effective testing, tracing, quarantining. These are countries with limited social, safe, social safety nets. Households and corporates live month to month. Governments lack the financial wherewithal to bail society and the private sector out. But I do strongly want to make the point this does not apply to Asia, which I think as a region has handled the COVID pandemic best. And that, and that is where the bulk of our EM funds exposure is at the moment. I got a question on whether, you know, there's a bit of exuberance, irrational exuberance in global equity markets. Yes, we have been surprised at how strongly they've rallied out of the crisis. But I think that's always in the nature of markets. The market climbs a wall of worries. It may well be overbought today. It may well retrace significantly in the months ahead. But I think the message from me to you is that, it, that the, the last few months have been a fantastic case study in the dangers of trying to time markets um, too carefully. Feels just like the financial crisis to me. You know, markets rallied in uh, in the first few weeks of of March in 2009, and it was when everyone least expected it. Before there were any meaningful green shoots in economic activity, once again markets have rallied when we all least expected it. And and our philosophy when we allocate capital and do asset allocation is that it is pricing of assets, not the timing of our expectations of of market behavior that misinform um, portfolio positioning. I think that equities were very cheap in March, April, and the, the, the right thing to have done would have been to buy, regardless of how tough the outlook looked for the months ahead. And we still think that long-term value lies in equities. We don't think it's in cash. We don't think it's in bonds. This is where the long-term value lies. And I would caution against excessive attempts to try and time the market, even if it does feel to all of us like global equities have probably rallied a little too hard. Just moving on to the uh, onto the SA market, local bonds. We've held our bond weightings. We're currently about 15% in our balanced funds. I want to make the point that was made a little earlier, but I'll probably make it a little, little more strongly. We are very concerned about the risk of a debt trap in South Africa. Um, we are very nervous. Uh, we see several years of double-digit budget deficits. We see government debt to GDP for South Africa that get, gets close to 100% 
in the next few years. Uh, we are very concerned that South Africa loses its fiscal discipline. We think that that fiscal discipline was lost in the Jacob Zuma years. We think it was regained over the last two years. And we think there's a great risk that it's lost again. There's a massive ideological fight within the ANC at the moment as to whether or not they should use COVID to transform the South African economy. For many, there is an ambition of having a, a larger state, a more intrusive state, and, and we think that if that is ultimately pursued, it would be incredibly negative um, for the economy and for our markets. You know, we've done a lot of modeling on government levels of indebtedness, and I want to strongly make the point that unless very hard political decisions are made to deliver austerity and to rein in debt levels in the next three years, then, then uh, the opportunity will be lost. Um, if action is not hard, decisions are not taken in the next few years, then I think we'll find ourselves on the wrong side of the power of compounding, um, and there won't be much that can done to save the situation. Um, so we are nervous holders of South African government bonds. We're watching the situation very closely. And if we don't get comfort that hard political decisions are gonna make, you know, we would actually be comfortable to sell out, even though they're yielding double digit levels. We did use the crisis to build a small position in inflation-linked bonds. We haven't owned ILBs um, probably for five or six or seven years. Um, they're very unpopular at the moment, given the deflationary effects of, of COVID. But we do think that the uh, what they deliver in terms of diversification and, and risk means that a place in, in, a, in a balanced fund for, for, for ILBs makes sense for us. So moving on to SA equity, um, we are very negative on the SA economy. And we think that the COVID crisis has been very poorly handled by our government. We think that the challenges of testing, tracing and quarantining have been very poorly handled. We think we've had one of the most draconian lockdowns in the world, which has made little sense, given how blunt an instrument it is. We think that there's massive fallout uh, for our households and our small businesses. And we're very concerned about the long-term um, economic damage done in, these, in this period. It might well be right to take the brave call today and buy beaten up domestic stocks. And those close followers of Coronation will know that there have been many times in the last 25 years when we've taken the contrarian view and bought assets out of favor where the short-term outlook is poor because we felt the long-term value was there. We just aren't there at the moment on domestic stocks. Um, our concerns about the long-term outlook are just too great. And we decided in the crisis to use our client's risk budget to rather buy global assets that had been global stocks listed on our market that had been hammered in the crisis. We have big buyers of stocks like Anglo, ABI, Bitcoin, all stocks which in the eye of the storm, in the eye of the COVID storm. Um, and that's where we've used um, our client's risk budget. The domestic stocks that we do own are only the highest quality businesses in South Africa. So we have a list of South Africa's 12 best businesses. Three or four years ago, we could only afford to own three of those 12 stocks. We currently own nine of those um, stocks in our portfolio. So the domestic exposure is only the very highest quality businesses where we're comfortable that those businesses will retain their earnings power through this. I just asked a few questions on the currency. And uh, we do think that the currency became oversold in the crisis as much as we negative on the long term outlook for South Africa and as much as the RAND is, the, is our country's release valve. 
We do think the currency got oversold, and the, and um, we actually think there's a decent chance that we come close to running a current account surplus this year. Um, there's very little import of capital equipment. There's very little import of consumer goods, given how weak the economy is, and exporters are back manufacturing, but mainly mining. Um, and we think, therefore, that there's a chance um, that we run a current account surplus. We think that the RAND is oversold. In our balance funds, we have a 5% hedge. Um, so 5% of our offshore exposure is being hedged. We did that at 18 Rand 20 to the dollar. And I think we, if we get close to 16 Rand to the dollar, that will become a source of heated debate inside Coro as to whether or not we take that off. But currently, we feel quite comfortable having hedged a meaningful portion of our offshore exposure. So that's really it. It's a, a just under 15-minute summary, 10, 11-minute summary of our key views on asset allocation. I don't know if you have any, any questions for me, Trevor. Yeah, Carl, perhaps just one quick one. Can you just give a brief comment on South African listed property and how you guys, I mean, again, we know that took a massive hit. Having said that, it's up 25% just in the last eight days or so. Uh, just Coro's sort of sort of medium-term view on South African listed property as an asset class. Yeah, so property is without a doubt one of the more interesting sectors. It's right in the eye of the storm um, in that there's been huge short-term disruption to the rental streams for all of these businesses. COVID will precipitate disruption in so many industries and, and, and physical physical, physical um, property is, is, is a great example of that. Work from home is going to transform the office environments of the future. Offices will, uh, businesses will need less space. It's um, accelerated the adoption of online commerce for retail. Um, so retailers around the world and in South Africa, no exception, will need less space. Uh, property companies are highly leveraged. They were highly leveraged coming into this and the crisis has, has, has further aggravated that situation. In addition to that, there's a lot of poor quality earnings in, in, in the property sector. We don't have, you know, we have a lot of concerns about the quality of earnings and, and the accounting within the property sector. So my big message in, in property is that for sure, there's some value there. For sure, there are good quality assets with good management teams that will come through this crisis. Those stocks look very depressed and, and, and money will be made. But this is a sector where you really need good stock pickers and where you need lots of disciplined research. Um, there's a lot of poor practice that crept into the sector in the bull market that is being exposed at the moment. So I'd be very hesitant to endorse a sort of sectoral positive view on, on property. I think you don't want to buy the benchmark. Um, I think um, discipline, stock picking is really, is really important. And the thing about property is the tough economy is going to be fully evident in a retailer's results this year. In a property company, because rentals uh, mature in a um, staggered fashion over the next five or six years, the full impact of the economy is, is still to come. So, so a lot of work is required in, in the research process to fully understand just, you know, what, what is going to happen to the earnings base in the next few years, how much is this going to reset by. So I think caution is warranted, but I think that um, if you're prepared to take the long, long view and if, if you've got good research, there are stock picking opportunities in the sector. Perfect. Thanks for that, Carl. And thank you very much for sitting in and, and your comments. Appreciate it a lot. No problem. Thanks for your support. 
Negroup Collective Investments is an authorised collective investment scheme manager in terms of the Collective Investment Schemes Control Act. Negroup Investments does not provide advice on financial products and will only give you factual information. For further details on our funds and to view our terms and conditions, please visit negroupinvestments.co.za.